Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Patrick. Hello, everyone. For this episode, we're covering one of the early awards contenders, a film that, like the one we talked about last week, I was smitten by at Sundance Film Festival when I first saw it. And I've been waiting patiently for us to have an opportunity to discuss it here on the show. So if you haven't seen Past Lives, you absolutely should seek it out. And you absolutely, absolutely should do so before listening, because otherwise it will be completely spoiled for you, and that's not fun. So go watch this movie. It is excellent. And then come back and listen to the show. And unlike the movie, you don't have to listen with subtitles on. It's not a thing. You just can listen to us. You don't even have to read us. I know Patrick was a little bit in a fluffle because he was like, you gave me two movies I have to read back to back. And I'm trying to fit these in a tight, tight time schedule. It has nothing to do with him not liking subtitles, folks. It's just, uh, you know, it takes more concentration. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it. <laughs> they're both worth it. And it definitely slows the pace down just a little bit. I uh, I was pleasantly surprised that this was shorter than last week's episode. Both are good. I'm not going to say that the, the length, but the crotchety old man in me is like, great, hour and 45. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, chew on my uh, my sunflower seeds and stay up and watch this because I can, you know, do it. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I misspoke and I told him that it was mostly in English with just a little bit in Korean. But then when I rewatched it, I realized mm, probably had that backwards. <laughs> mostly <laughs> in Korean with just a little bit of English here and there. But uh, yeah. So past lives. Here we go. Okay, Patrick, I guess we'll start as we usually start with something that I've already seen and I love and I don't know what you think about it yet. So what did you think? I really liked it. This is one of those movies that it's, uh, it gets me right in the I love the intimacy of it. This is something um, it's similar to last week. It's really interesting, not only with the subtitles, but also with some of the context um, playing with a with simple simplicity in its storytelling. Granted, last week's episode had a um, huge amount of like landscape cinematography the cinematography in here is great too there's a lot of what i would call wes anderson-esque shots things that feel very parallel um if you notice i love the the symbol the symbolism of splitting of distance between the two if you look even at the credits you have distance between the title of a person like produced by and their their name like it's there's some dissonance there like it feels further apart than it should, even in the closing credits. I thought that theme playing itself out visually in the cinematography was was really, really well done. I also enjoy the fact that this movie doesn't try to do any more than what it asks itself. It just tells the story. And watching it play out after getting comfortable with the subtitles a little bit, it really, really immersed me. There were some pockets of of scenes, pockets, you know, moments where I was just like, oh, like I did that. Like my, my throat was like, oh, that was good. And I would go like, mm, like those are things that I don't do when I'm watching Captain Marvel or Captain America or Iron Man. I'm like, yeah, here it doesn't need to do that. And 
as I'm getting older, Aaron, these are the movies that I'm going to probably watch and enjoy for what they are, for the art that they they bring, the stories that they tell, as opposed to being just as opposed to being just entertained with movies like the bigger blockbusters and things like that. So to me, it's it's really it's it's nice to to sit on this for an hour and forty five minutes and then walk away. Not really feeling incredibly gut punched. There were a couple of times I was like, mm, "Yeah, that's that's tough," but a real sense of satisfaction knowing that it definitely had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that the things resolved, even with some of the tension that was there. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, and I absolutely felt the same way. I think it's awesome that we can do that, and we can do both, right? When the time comes we can geek out over a dune or a new star wars or whatever the big blockbuster is but i think we do get inundated with that stuff so much that it just really elevates something like this when you get a chance to see a relationship drama done so well and i think that's why it hits so hard for everybody right out of sundance and then it just has kept that momentum going as it had its actual theatrical release which for these kind of movies unfortunately is usually pretty small even as a movie that got picked up by a24 it's tough to get people to go out to the theaters to see these but the hope is that now that it's available on digital to buy or rent and hopefully it'll be put out on you know video on demand and people can get a chance to partake in it those who might otherwise not even know it exists and that's why I'm glad we can talk about it too. Hopefully people see it in a podcast feed and they're like, oh, maybe I need to go look up what this is. And they go check it out. I wanted to start at the beginning. Maybe this is because we've been doing your television podcast recently and I now feel weird if we don't just go and order down a movie or down a TV show episode because that's your format for another original series. Is that what it's called? An original series. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's yeah, I know what it's called. Right, See? <laughs> I've been on nine episodes. I figured it out. You know it's up. It'd be a while. But I did want to mention this because the so the movie is in three acts, essentially. You have the the past, past, <laughs> then you have twelve years later, and then you have twelve years after that, which is now, the present. But in the past past, we get early scenes of two young kids, Na Young and Hai Sung, who are probably what would you say junior young junior high low junior yeah, high yeah school yeah. middle school is probably the best way to put it probably yeah something like that and they are flirting um they're playing together they're friends I, I absolutely adore this portion of the story just because it is so completely pure i texted you a picture today of a screenshot i took where it's when they're actually leaving and they're, they're, she's walking up these steps back to her house and he's walking away down this path. And it's just, it's a gorgeous framing for this shot. Very Wes Anderson-y, almost symmetrical. Um, I love, so I love a lot of the cinematography in this section. And then I love a moment where they have just been at the park playing. So this was very relatable. There's two moms, right? And they're sitting on a bench having a conversation. Hai Sung's mom is asking Na Young's mom 
why they're leaving. And then the two kids are just out at the park playing and making funny faces at a statue and stuff. And at the end of this, they're driving home together in the same car. The two kids are in the backseat and they're holding hands. And I just love the way this captures the innocence of youth and these relationships where their hands are interlocked and Na is leaning her head on his shoulder peacefully. And he's just kind of looking out the window and and it makes you wonder what he's thinking, right? Is he thinking about the fact that this may be the last time they ever have this moment? Is he just enjoying the, you know, is he thinking about the next anime episode he's going to watch when he gets home? Who knows? Because they're in middle school and it's just so freaking sweet. I I thought, Um, and I thought it really did a great job of, realistically portraying what it's like to be in this state in this age and have an interest in someone yeah when i watch that scene play out it's really quick like there's nothing heavily involved in it they're just playing and you think about potentially like american dating like junior high dating versus like what I would call real dating. (laughs) Like you're actually, you're not looking for a date for the weekend to go to the movies. You're looking for somebody to spend your life with. These guys are the former. They are enjoying the infatuation. They're enjoying the physical attraction to each other. And I like that it's not sexualized. I like that nothing in this movie feels like sex is the thing you get to. So full disclosure, at this point in our life right now, this as of this recording, I've just finished editing episode three of The Last of Us, where uh, we're talking about uh, Bill and Frank, and I won't go into too much detail, but you and I had a really great discussion about the use of sex as it pertains to the value of a relationship, how it's the defining thing. And in this case, in a lot of Hollywood movies, you have two people who meet, and then 20 minutes later, not not figuratively, but literally 20 minutes later, they're having sex because they've fallen in love with each other. And it's usually because of extreme, extenuating circumstances. And I think that opposite of that, what you have are two kids who are exploring their feelings for each other, their emotional connection to each other, but it's not being exploited in a sexual way. I think if it was, it would really taint that kind of relationship that we see that ends up being what is pursued or explored or questioned throughout the rest of the movie. And I think it would create such a disingenuousness to their relationship so many years later when they start exploring that. I'm not saying sex isn't important. I'm saying that it wasn't not the when focal you're in middle point. school, period. Well, well I, I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah depending on it. No, yeah. we agree. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> yeah. So what I what I picked up from that is that absent of that, what we get to see is really a genuineness of naivety of this relationship yeah. that they're just like, this feels good. I remember being in junior high and holding a girl's hand and being very much like, wow, this feels amazing. And not just the, you know, the interlocked or the, 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 the palms, but the interlocked fingers that meant your boyfriend and girlfriend. That means you were really right. important. Whereas Holding a hand like this way, you know, if you're not, if you're watching the video, but palm and palm meant we're just friends, you know, like the side hug, that's a, that's a friendship, but the full embrace, the interlocked fingers, 
that's um, really important. And that scene, that moment where she's leaning on his shoulder and he's holding her hand, I remember that. I experienced that. And I was like, that was really special because I knew nothing apart from that. I didn't even know about kissing. I knew about holding hands. And that was the like the pinnacle. Crossing your fingers was like the pinnacle of holding hands. And yeah, I can definitely, ex- his expression is definitely something that I've experienced too. Yeah, I, I think so. It's so nice to see. There's also a specific quote in this portion of the film, in that in that scene uh, at the park, when the two moms are talking, that really stood out to me. And that is when Sung's mom asks Na's mom why they would leave. She says, you know, your husband is a renowned director here in Korea, and you're an established artist. You're leaving that all behind to immigrate and go away to America. And her response is so simple. She just says, if you leave something behind, you gain something too. And it's just a beautiful, simplistic life lesson that I think is worth everyone hearing and taking a second to reflect on because I don't think that way nearly enough, right? You're always concentrating on what you didn't get. I mean, I was just ranting to you right before we got on the podcast about a whole bunch of stuff I didn't get. And instead of, you know, focusing primarily, it takes time. You got to, you got, sometimes you got to work at it and you got to force yourself to focus on the things that you have or on the opportunities um, that you may have. And I think it also is very indicative of how this film is put together, both visually and thematically and in the, I guess all three, that's more than both, but. Visually, thematically, and and with regards to the dialogue, everything in this is about the past versus the future and this pull versus push. And like, how do you balance these two desires and go about living your life? And this is an early kind of example of that being brought up that I just thought was really poignant. So the movie... Then shifts, shit, blah, 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 then shifts into that next twelve years, which is a really interesting time because we don't actually see Na when she is in Los Angeles. That's where they, I believe, they immigrate to in the beginning, and then I think she says this at one point, and then they end up. She goes to New York. I noticed that before she said it because she's wearing a Niagara Falls tourist shirt, which I thought was hilarious. That, you know, she lives there and is in college, but she's got this like touristy shirt on. But she reconnects with Hai Sung. He seeks her out via her dad's Facebook page after his military service is done. And they have this experience where they start talking and spending time on Skype together. And before I say anything about my personal relatability to this i just wanted to know like did did you feel that way have you had relationships with whether platonic or romantic us included like where you reconnect with somebody after a long time and how they depict that here yeah i mean my friendship with you is probably the closest that i have experienced that with and that's very distinct for me because a lot of stuff had just happened. Like I'd just gotten married and we were probably a month or two into our marriage. We were in our apartment. And I clearly remember 
getting a phone call. I don't know how this happened. Maybe it was Facebook that we connected and then you called me. And this is before the world of Voxer or something. I legitimately do not remember. I don't either. But I, 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 <laughs> I do remember. It was a flashbulb memory. It was like 9-11. I remember what I was doing. But I was in my apart- in our apartment. And I remember going back to our bedroom and just having probably a 30 to 45 minute conversation with you about like, hey, what's been going on? What have the last 10 years been like? And that sparked a number of conversations where we just texted uh, a lot. And I think it it wasn't until maybe it was when I took that trip to Seattle to see you, not the one with Dear Evan Hansen, but the first one where we were really into comic books. I I have a picture of us on the Space Needle with my son. Or my kids, because they're really, really small. <laughs> yeah, your your son was definitely shorter than. <laughs> yeah, now he's no. taller than me. Not the same as the picture I sent you from Saturday. <laughs> no, not at all. But I, I do remember that conversation, and I remember um, us connecting a lot. Like we talked a lot um, the, that first year, and it was it wasn't like surreal or bizarre or anything like that. It was just kind of cool because it sort of put a pin in where I was in my life because it was different than where you and I were the last time we connected. Like throughout college, I had kind of heard tell, where's Aaron? What's he doing? I heard about a cat that was taken and it was like just little little bits like that, but I was hearing from other friends and this was the first time that we had been, our friendship had been one of those things where it was part of something but I think reconnecting gave us that one-on-one relationship where we could really just say, this is what's been going on. This is what's going on in my life. And, you know, there was a good chunk of that time that was dedicated to just some real challenges that you were dealing with. And I was glad to be a part of that and be, be um, you know, be a sounding board for that. But yeah, I, I think that was probably the only one or that's been the only one where I've reconnected after a long period of time and uh I think it I think it was depicted um fairly yeah I I think there was some genuineness to that. There was some awkwardness with the with the two of them. It was cool to see how he would look in her room and say, Oh, I see where you're living and she's like, Yeah, what are you doing? And talking about the time difference and things like that. It was just again, I think it was an extension of what we saw earlier in the film with them just having this relationship and these conversations that didn't have any kind of strings, but they had assumptions attached to them. And that that's that's where I think the movie continues to push forward is, are we going to act on those assumptions? Is he going to say, what happened to us? Is she going to say, hey, I really regret leaving, uh, leaving there and coming to America. And uh, at that point, we don't get to that. It did kind of kind of wig me out that she just stopped abruptly. Like I would think that to me was kind of kind of odd, and that he was like, "Okay, see ya when I see ya." <laughs> and but everything leading up to that, I think, felt really natural. Yeah, I do too. And I think you know us being a good example of this when you haven't talked for ten years or more, like you talked about, there's a lot to catch up on. Like you said, it's it's one long conversation, but that just begets all this stuff because. You may talk about one specific thing that's happening in your life, but then it's like you've got all this past to discover about each other. Uh, and it just, it's like flowers kind of blooming for both of you, all this information. And I, I love seeing that between the two of them. And I think it kind of 
for me, it sparked this idea of just how our psychology g- works and how there, to me, is an energy or, or almost like an elevating of this type of experience because it's new. It's exciting. It's fresh. It's the first time. You knew this person, and in your head, you have a memory from a decade ago, two decades ago. There's maybe not a lot of weight to that, but you want there to be. And so in your, in your brain, you use this opportunity, and, and it kind of starts to elevate that, right? And it, and it just makes it bigger and bigger. And so as you connect in the real time, sometimes your mind makes the past more important than it was in reality. And we just latch on to that desire to be wanted and interest somebody have interest in us and ask questions about us, I think. And, and I really connected with this big time, especially being someone who was in the Navy for so long. I've been on so many deployments. I get this level of long distance relationship that they sort of were entering into and how difficult it can be. And so for me, I actually understood I didn't like it the way she treated him, but I understood where she was coming from because she started to allow her conversations with him. And especially, it's especially difficult because of the time zone difference, right? And she allowed that to infringe upon her goals, which is something we'll talk about more in detail in a little bit is the whole purpose of them coming to America and her desires and how that has kind of sculpted her life choices. But she had a goal and she wanted to win an award and she wasn't doing that. She was not focusing on her writing. She was, as she says in the movie, she's like, all I can do is think about buying tickets to Seoul. So the romantic in me says, why didn't you buy a ticket to Seoul, (laughs) right? Like, who cares about the writing? But I understood you know, why she did it. It's hard though, seeing it cut off like that. And and I have been cut off like that from people at times in my life. And I've probably cut people off like that as well. Who knows? Um, and it's, it's never good. It's never fun to, to have. Yeah. And, and, and there are points you get to when a lot of the things that this movie explores is, you know, that road not taken. I, I think that something that came to mind for me indirectly as a result of what she was dealing with is that there is a point where you have to commit to something and it doesn't have to be an antithesis to a relationship, but it does take priority. I mean, the fact is any given day, we spend a certain number, a certain amount of time doing something committed to something. And so if my life in a snapshot is martial arts, soccer coaching, refereeing, being a dad, being a husband, working as a as a manager, podcasting, all that kind of stuff. It's a busy life, especially during certain parts of the year. And I've had to accept the fact that things have to get laid down for a season or permanently, depending on what I've chosen to pick up. And I, I related to her in that regard, not that I wanted to be something famous, or do something more ambitious than being in a relationship, but that I valued this thing. And I knew that if I didn't go after that, it would be lost at some point. Like I would be missing an opportunity to really fully embrace that. And it would make me question 
parts of myself, even if I failed, it would make me question parts of myself on could I have done that? And I mean, that's very normal for anybody, like the would have, should have regrets and the road not taken, you know, very much a big theme in this. But I never thought from her standpoint that she was doing something wrong. I, again, I didn't like the way that she ended it because it felt very abrupt. She wasn't saying, listen, give me, give me a month, give me two months, give me three months to get settled, and then let's reconnect. Because I, unless, and this could be true, unless she saw the potential to go see him as a, a, a life change, which it sounds like, you know, when she's making plans to go to Seoul, I think at that point she's recognizing, okay, I'm laying down writing for this. So I see why she did it. I don't completely agree. I think there are ways to have your cake and eat it too, but not leave someone else behind because now you're basically giving up a person for the sake of a thing in this regard. And I don't think that's necessarily something that's, I don't think you have to do that. I think there are ways that you can have both, but I love the tension that it creates and what it sets up later. Yeah. And not to jump too far ahead in my plan here for the conversation, but she ultimately gets both. Like she, this is the, this is how it goes down. I don't know if you knew this, but there, the setting for this, there had never been a Korean Nobel Peace Prize winner or I believe Pulitzer winner either. So her reasoning for not going back is sadly that the path to achieving these things was by being Korean American, right? Was by being an immigrant, which is sad in and of itself, that that would feel like a necessity to someone. But where she ends up is in a relationship with someone who has the exact same desire. He is trying to win a Tony. So these are, it's like, not that you have to marry someone with the same passion as you, but it's it's marrying someone or getting into a relationship with someone that understands your passion. And there's a line that speaks to this. It's really interesting dynamic at the end of the movie when she and he, Sung are walking around New York. And he's like, she asks him about his girlfriend and he's like, oh yeah, we're, we're kind of on a break, which I think I took to mean very clearly, like I told her, let's take a break. Cause I really wanted to hope something would happen with you. <laughs> uh, but he says, I'm too ordinary. He's like, I have an ordinary job. I make ordinary money. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not special. I do nothing interesting. And I think it's his way or it, it's a, you know, it's a, a contrast between him and what Arthur are to her. These are, she could be happy with either, either one of them romantically, but one of them offers her more in terms of, I guess, maybe encouragement and similarities in pursuing a passion. Yeah. The similarity I think is the key there. When you it's have comfort. common ground, common, it's well, comfort. comfort, yes, but not necessary. Well, yeah. Like, like my friend, our friend Adam and his wife, um, Adam's a producer, his wife edits for commercials. They're in the similar industry. They're not in the same industry, but they understand the rhythms of their jobs to an extent that they can be more forgiving of those things. So when you look at her and Arthur, the spontaneity of getting inspired to write is going to pull you out of bed in the middle of the night when you 
your spouse may want you to be with them, that kind of thing. And I think that you're absolutely right. Her connection with him, it's not a means to an end. Like Their love is genuine. And I can't wait to get to a particular scene that is probably my favorite in the entire movie. But I think when she looks at him, she sees beyond just, yes, the attraction and that he makes her laugh and all the stuff that goes into a rom-com or how you would describe, yeah, he's funny, he's smart, he's handsome and all that stuff. There's other stuff too. And it's that same industry mentality, that same kind of understanding of life rhythm that you have, as opposed to an engineer who will work eight to five and come home and potentially expect that his wife is going to be ready to have dinner waiting for him or you know, that he'll cook and they'll have dinner and that they'll sit down and they'll watch their favorite episode of Suits or something like that. And then they'll go to bed. No, that's not the rhythm that she is going to be and eventually is in, in that she's a writer and writers write. And the rhythm of that kind of lifestyle is going to have to be find its success by being encouraged by someone who understands that intrinsically. You don't have to have that. My wife and I are a fantastic example of the fact that we don't have a lot in common socially. So two things come from that. One, we have to be very cognizant of how we talk to each other and be very clear about what we need. So if she needs time away or if I need a weekend of independence, like I have this weekend because they're visiting family, she understands that. She understands that I'm probably not going to be texting her a lot because that's just who I am being a private person and just that that makes me happy. The other thing, and this is more of the upside, which is when we do find something, it's like gold. So when we find a show that we like, we find an interest that was really, really great, like soccer. We've both really fallen in love with the sport of soccer for the same reason, you know, for because of our son and because of just everything else. And so it's something that when you find common ground in that, it makes it makes it so much more uh, refreshing and invigorating. But in this case, she found that in someone and that became bonus for her with our relationship with Arthur. Yeah, totally, totally right. I mean, perfectly well said. And, you know, you we tie into this, this whole concept of in Yoon, um, which is really interesting. And I'll quote what she says at the beginning of her meeting with Arthur. So we we fast forward again, you know, 20, not 24 years more, but 12 more years total. And she is at the writer's retreat now. And one of my favorite parts of this is the detail in this movie. And I believe this is part autobiographical Celine song. The director has said, which to me explains a lot of the details. There was, you know, she gets there first. So she puts, her bag on a bed and she claims it. And I don't know if you've ever gone, I'm saying this to the listeners, I do know Patrick, but because uh, Patrick went to summer camp every summer, just like I did. Uh, but if you've ever gone to like a summer camp, right, you get assigned a building or something. There's always like a rush to get the first bunk that you want. If you want top or you want bottom or whatever. And it was very much like that, seeing her go in and kind of claim a room. And then the first thing she does, she gets coffee or tea or something to drink. She's walking out with this coffee cup and I love this. It's got a piece of masking tape on it with her name, Nora, written. And I was like, this is the equivalent of taking a Sharpie to a red Solo cup at a party or something. Uh, because you're going to have a bunch of people in this house. 
And it just makes sense to me. I don't know. Little details. I love stuff like that. And then he shows up. Uh, Arthur is the next one to walk up. This guy that just looks nothing like someone that would connect with her uh, from a, like, just eye test, right? And they end up having a night together alone because they're the only ones that are there and talking, getting to know each other. And there's this conversation about Inyun. And this is what she says. She says, this is how she describes Inyun. It means providence or fate. But specifically, it's about relationships with people. If two strangers even walk by each other in the street and their clothes accidentally brush, because it means there must have been something between them in their past lives. If two people get married, they say it's because there have been 8,000 layers of inyun over 8,000 lifetimes. And I love Arthur kind of asking a little bit of questions about this. <laughs> and then her response is to completely brush it off. And she's like, it's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. And then they end up kissing, which is <laughs> absolutely adorable to me. Absolutely adorable. But, I, you know, I wanted to talk about this just a bit. We, you and I, definitely don't believe in reincarnation. It's not something that is part of our faith. But there's, to me at least, something super romantic about the idea of fated relationships. Inyun is very similar in description to the red string of fate in Japanese culture, which is what the movie Your Name is sort of built upon, and this idea of a fated relationship. I personally find a lot of, again, comfort and solace in that. I don't think it's necessarily true or realistic to take it seriously, but it just is something really interesting to think about. The hows and the whys we end up in a place with another person, even with the opportunity to connect on a level that can lead to something more serious, either romantically or platonic. So I, I think it's really neat framing for the movie and, and where it ends up going. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that it bleeds into the concept of what if and the parallel universes, the not necessarily the, well, I guess the multiverse would be a, the scientific, science, sci-fi version of this, that when I make a choice to do this, what kind of effect is it going to have a year later? And this concept that really focuses on touch more than anything else, that's what I found interesting is that it wasn't just about a choice you made. It was about fate. It wasn't about where fate and destiny and all these things kind of play into that. But this concept of the touch is really what matters. Now, if two people touch, that meant that they are connected in some way, shape, or form, or were in some past life. And that marriage, this is the other thing I thought was kind of cool, is that marriage accentuates that thing by like 7,000, I think was the was the number. Like you had this in unit of like of seven, 7K. And I'm like, well, that's really like putting marriage in high regard. <laughs> and so it almost felt like you have like midichlorians, like, okay, so if you just brush, is it like five <laughs> or six or 10 or whatever? But yeah, I think that, it's it's a neat concept because what it does is it puts meaning on every relationship that you come into contact with. Like it tells you that nothing is an accident. So the person that I see at the gym, I was meant to see them because it sparked something in me 
not to connect with that person necessarily, but to remind me of something else that was important. And so I think that 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 concept adds value when you attach a romantic aspect to it. And it becomes, I think what the film does is it challenges us not to take something like that to a level that can define us. Like it becomes, it should become a tool and not something that is our way. And what you have are two people who wrestle with that one more than the other. And they eventually come to a point where they have to accept the fact that it's not the way it is a tool. It is a way of thinking. It is a way of looking at life, but in, in no way, if I can say way again, uh, <laughs> adds, puts a, puts a person in a position where they have to do something where this is who they are. And so I think from, from there, it, it takes kind of this manifestation of, okay, how deep are we going to go here? How much meaning are we going to attach to this thing? Yeah, that's great. I mean, and that's exactly what ends up happening. They have this romantic time, and then we get to the point where Hai Sung is coming to visit, and it creates a really intriguing relationship dynamic between Arthur and Nora. I remember that first time that we see her come back home after her taking Hai Sung out around the city. And he just is so on edge. Like it's it's written all over his face. It feels like uh, it feels like he's trying to be supportive and trusting of this whole relationship. And he's asking questions all over the place. There's one great scene where she's talking about how Hai Sung represents how much she missed Seoul. And not really him in particular. She's br- it's a great, it's phenomenal scene. She's brushing her teeth. Like, how many times do we get just dialogue scenes of a married couple having a conversation in the bathroom while one's brushing her teeth? Like, it's so realistic. And she's kind of rambling a bit and talking about that and how it's not him that she's interested in, yada, yada, yada. And Arthur is very quick to kind of, he, he like, she's talking about this bigger picture and his only response to her is not to talk about what she is saying he says do you think he's hot essentially he's like do you find him attractive that that's his first thought and i was like that is every, that is exactly how a husband would respond in this situation like he would ask that and i found that interesting and that transitions into like when they're in bed that night and they can they're continuing this conversation and arthur says something really wild he says in the stories I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny in Yoon. I mean, think about it. Our story is so boring. And so in a sense, you have Arthur questioning his own boringness. Hai Sung is saying, I'm too boring. Like everybody thinks they're too boring for her. But Nora responds by saying, and this is to your point about in Yoon being a fantastic romanticized idea but not something to base your decisions on. She says, this is where I ended up. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I just, I I absolutely love that. It's the kind of clear cut, firm um, affirmation that I think people in a relationship should 
be able to give each other. Absolutely. This is my favorite scene in the entire movie, this bed, this scene in bed, because Arthur is so insecure. And this whole dialogue is beautifully written because I feel like the white American in this scene where I'm like, I don't know that I can trust the situation. I don't want to say I can't trust my wife, but he sees this hyper-romanticized cultural thing in being Korean. He says at one point, when you sleep, you dream in Korean. Like you're saying things in oh, yeah. Korean. And I can't and understand you. I can't understand you. And it makes me feel like there's a world that I'm not part of. And she says, it's, it's just gibberish. I'm probably not saying anything important. But he has a hard time with that. And the way that she describes how she loves him complete with him saying, you make my world bigger. And I want to know, do I do that for you? And she doesn't hesitate. She doesn't go like, yes, yes, yes. But she also doesn't hesitate and go, yes. No, she, it's, it's a perfect beat where he asks the question, she goes, yeah, you do. And I see his insecurity in this. And the way that he portrays this the rest of the way through, just this awkwardness, this, I don't know what to think about this situation, even up to the point in the bar where he's just Dude, it sitting is, there having a drink. I have so much anxiety from the moment where he, where Sung walks in the door and he's like trying to speak Korean and Sung's trying to speak English. And I'm just like, uh, this is terrible. This is awful. Please get these people out of this situation. And yeah, the bar is, the bar is a whole other level of, I, I personally don't know how that man went there. He's a champ is what he is. He's, He's a champ. champ. <laughs> With a book that you wrote called Boner. I don't know what I, that was about. That's I still, just I crazy. For it. You told me I that. don't know what the, what that book is about, but I don't want to know either. <laughs> so, but but the scene the 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 bed scene is so great because it's not just her affirming him, it's her making sure that he understands that this romantic idea of of the of the um the concept of immune isn't valid here that there was a world where she was in love with this guy, but she chose this life. All of her words are just like, yes, I chose this life and this is who I am. She never says, I regret this. She never says, I wish it could have been better. She, she states the facts in that the choices she made led her to this point, and this is where she is. And I don't know that he could receive that very well because he doesn't know, well, does that mean something bad? Does that mean tomorrow you're going to go off and you'll run off with this dude? But I don't think we know that yet. I think, I don't feel insecure when she says that. I, I feel more confident in, if I'm him, if I'm Arthur, that she's going to stay. But I don't think she's being so overly dramatic by saying, you got to believe me. You got to believe me. She's just being honest. And her honesty brings out a sense of confidence in me as an audience to say, yeah, this is the life that she wanted, or this is the life that she chose. And she's accepting what it brings. She's not saying it's better or worse. I don't think because she knows yet. I don't think she knows at this point, is this a better life than what I had if I had stayed in Korea? But I like 
seeing how she navigates this with maturity and poise, she never tries to convince him. She just tells him what she's thinking. She tells him what she knows. And to leave it there and let him do his thing, that's a strong female character because she feels very comfortable in her own skin in this moment. She feels very confident in who she is, even though she doesn't have all the answers at this point to the question she's asking. Yeah, that, that's very well said. Um, I looked up Boner because I had to just to give your curiosity, you know, a little bit of relief here. So, uh, someone asked John McGarrow this in an interview and he said, they asked him, they were like, what's the deal with the book named Boner? Pitch, pitch Boner to me. What's this book about? And he says, Boner, I don't have to pitch it. A version exists. He said, uh, Justin Kuritskis, who is Celine Song's husband, who is a writer and a playwright, wrote a play called Asshole. And that is where the book Boner, the idea of the book Boner comes from. And so I looked it up and he said, just look up this play if you want to know what it's about. It's about a doctor who works for the government and is obsessed with the smell of his own butthole. He has a patient whom he can't <laughs> seem to get out of his mind. In fact, he finds her continued presence to be a little dot, dot, dot disturbing. And that is it. <laughs> so I assume that disturbing and the title of the book Boner is a joke, kind of playing reference to this very strange fetish and a play that I really have no interest in ever seeing. So there's that. <laughs> well, thank you for that. You're welcome. I, you could have gone on without knowing that, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is such an awkward scene. I, I love that the movie starts with that moment too, that bar scene, and we get just a voiceover from a couple uh, like who are observing them from afar talking about what they might be trying to I do this all the time I people watch and I try to imagine what conversations are being had or you know what these people do for a living and that's what they're doing exactly what they're doing they're imagining who they might be to each other and then like why they're drinking in a bar at 4 a.m. and ultimately it ends with a quick cut after she just says I have no idea I think that's beautiful because that's the truth, right? We're never going to have any idea, but we're always going to try. We're always going to be curious about that. And then, you know, it ends. And did you pick up on the symbolism of this final shot? Because to me, the final shot of this movie is, or final scene in this movie is just ridiculously epic. Uh, you know, it's after the bar and she has the last moment with just Hai Sung. And she says, that little girl, you know, she's not sitting here in front of you. But she was real. Another beautiful, beautiful line. And then she's walking him out to his Uber. I don't know if you caught this, but this is also intentionally framed. They leave. He's got his bag. They walk backwards in the frame to the past. They stop there. There is a humongous pregnant pause of silence of just staring at each other which is says so freaking much when they're just looking at each other and she leaves him there in the past and she walks forward in the frame back to the present and her future 
where Arthur is waiting for her and where she has a good cry about what she's leaving behind, but accepting what she's gaining, just like her mom said. And right. it, to me, it's just, it's brilliant filmmaking. And, I, and I, there's a little, there's very little dialogue in those scenes, but they say so much. Highly symbolic for sure. Very, very much <laughs> somewhat cerebral. And, and it's, it's really art at this point, less about storytelling and, and more about art, but still storytelling is included. I think what I found amazing about this scene was that what seemed like almost a 30 second pause, because this is the scene that you're supposed to kiss the girl. This is the scene. And I actually and checked I, to see if my thing paused at what point. I was like, did I pause it? Because they don't move. They're just- And there's no music. There's no musical no. cues. There's nothing. There's no light that's moving. There's no cat that runs across the, 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 the street or anything like that. And it's only interrupted by the Uber. And I got to tell you, I just, I was taken out for a minute. I was like, what's this Uber guy thinking as they're talking back and forth about like, <laughs> past lives and stuff? He's probably thinking, you better give me a five star for this one, dude, because <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. But- no, it's 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 so beautiful because he talks about the what if, and she says, "I don't know," and that's okay. And she speculates, and he says, "Me too." And then you're right; she goes back to Arthur. And I asked the question. I said, "Why does she cry at the end? What's what's the deal?" You know, the it's this idea that. Okay, is she sad that he's leaving? Is she sad that she doesn't have this life anymore? And I needed the internet's help a little bit. And and there's this great explanation that she was accepting that that was no longer an option for her. The past was just, it was the past. And that the cry was very much, not methodical, I can't think of the word, but it was very much important for her to be able to do that because Early in the movie, he asks her after that, I guess it was after that scene when they were younger where she, <laughs> she oh, yeah, cries. About crying. Like, yeah, yeah, she stopped crying. You're so right. And this was a moment where with Arthur, she was vulnerable by crying, but it was almost her way of laying that down, of saying, I know I can't have that anymore, but you can be sad and not have regrets. That's that's what I picked up on was that it's okay to be in your feelings and to cry, to have a good cry. It's like, I guess, when when something hits us so emotionally during a movie and we cry, but we're not lingering on it. Like an hour later, we're back to making breakfast or, or doing something or mowing the lawn. In that moment, though, I think she felt the immense sadness of knowing that she wasn't going to be able to have that, that that was a past life. And now she's going to move forward. I, I love the bookended quote played out in action where she had that life, but now she's moving forward for something else that's going to be good. And I love that Arthur doesn't talk to her. I love that he doesn't say, are you okay? He doesn't say, I'm here for you. All he does is put his arm around her. He opens up that little door and then they go into their apartment where he goes to play PlayStation after that, after he comforts her when she goes to bed. <laughs> That's my last question. So I, I have nothing to even add because you just wrapped us up so beautifully. Uh, thank you. That was amazing. But my last question is this. 
that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. She comes home after being out with High <laughs> Sung at night, and Arthur is sitting there playing PlayStation. What is he playing? Like, I know I jokingly texted you a game, but I, it's probably not. What do you think Arthur's actually playing? With the way that he's just sort of mellow, I think it's FIFA or Madden or something. I think it's that's a sports a, game. That's a very good... Yeah, I don't think it's like Assassin's Creed or 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 Uncharted or something like that because he'd be like, ooh, ooh, like, well, or maybe that's me. Um, I, I would think Arthur's a casual gamer like I am, so he's going to get really into something. But like me, he's hitting around to golf. He's hitting the PGA a little bit, you know. And you know, she comes in, he doesn't get startled, so I don't think he's. But at the same time, he's got the headphones on, so there might be something with some music. Something with, you know, dialogue. So it wouldn't put it past me to think he's playing something more first person or third person over the shoulder. Like He could uh, be like adventure. doing like a first person shooter or something. Just not could be. Yeah. He could, got, he could, he could be playing COD. Yeah. He yeah. could be doing something like that. But I agree. Something very easily replicable, not a story based narrative type of game. Yeah. He's not solving I, puzzles. I like this. <laughs> I, like I, think, I think FIFA Madden is, is spot on though. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and like pump up the dialogue and see if I can, or pump up the volume and see if I can hear in the back. Because you can briefly hear a little bit of the TV sound coming out of his headphones, but I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. That was fun. <laughs> Didn't expect that in a movie like this. And I mean. <laughs> He's not so uppity living in what, Greenwich Village or wherever, the Upper West Side or wherever they're living. Everyday middle-aged dude playing, playing PlayStation while his wife's out of town, out in town. Exactly. Hanging out with her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of Feeling Film. As for what's next, we'll be taking the week off while Aaron is in Toronto covering the Toronto International Film Festival. Sad face here. Wish I were going, but glad that you are. Um, I am excited. This is going to be fun. I know you've been just jacked about it since you got the invite. Uh, we want to encourage all of you to keep an eye on feelandfilm.com where the new reviews are going to be posted to his TIFF coverage review journal beginning on Monday, September 4th, and then daily starting on Thursday, September 7th. So remember those two dates. All this happens once the festival kicks off in person is where he's going to be. It's going to be in person. It's not virtual. Another fantastic bonus for him. Um, you can also follow Aaron on TikTok at Aaron E.L. White, all one word. Uh, on all social media channels, same thing. Uh, the links are going to be in the show notes. And you can keep tabs on our YouTube channel, at Feelin' Film Original, for immediate reactions to films as he sees them. Then once he's back home, there will be a wealth of spoiler-free reviews for you to enjoy, you all to enjoy uh, coming soon. That'll do it for us. Aaron, thanks for a great conversation. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. 
and keep feeling filled.